you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of April. Jazz blow out the Thunder, take a three games to one lead, and seem to have the series in control. Is it really that simple? And how does Joe Ingles possibly get 11 three-point attempts? We'll talk about it all. Break it all down and get you rolling on a locked on jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully a look uh, behind the curtains. Another raucous night. Jazz were brilliant. They're really good. Uh, and blasted the thunder last night. Crowd was insane again. It was totally awesome. Um, absolutely uh, awesome night. Tip of the hat to everyone. Jazz were just great. And it was an insane night with just, you know, basketball game finally broke out out of a wrestling match. Uh, kind of a, uh, I want to throw something out there. We kind of might have stumbled onto something that might be really cool. Uh, Qualtrics gave Mitt Romney a five jersey. Uh, he wore it, internet grabbed it, thought he was like wearing a Rodney Hood jersey or something like that. Uh, he was wearing a five for the fight jersey. I'm just going to throw this thought out there. Maybe the organization grabs it, maybe not. I think it's really cool. It's kind of actually come organically today from some listeners. So in Seattle, the Seahawks have the 12th man, right? And so all the fans were 12. Like, I don't, you know, I'm assuming Qualtrics can be around a while and five for the fights can be around for a while. How cool would it be if ours became five? And as one person said to me, you actually personalized it to the person who you would write on your hand for the Qualtrics five for a fight, right? Dad, mom, Julie, Shannon, whatever, right? Like, um, only the last one was a personal one. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, it's kind of organically just happened on, on Twitter today. Um, I just thought it was really kind of cool. So, I don't know. Um, just throw it out there and let you guys go with it. If you think it's really cool, uh, it's totally something I think could happen organically. It's obviously something Qualtrics and the organization could get behind. But it's, uh, I thought it was kind of a neat idea that our signature became that five, you know, Seahawks fans, if you go to a Seahawks game, almost everyone's wearing a 12 jersey. They're not actually wearing 25 for Richard Sherman or, you know, whatever it was for Marshawn Lynch or all the players have, you know, the old Matt Hasselbeck jersey or something, they're actually wearing that. So, uh, I don't know. That was an interesting idea. All right, let's get into last night. It was insane. Uh, a brawl. You know, the Jazz are a better basketball team than Oklahoma City. They they, they play the game more. They move the ball around more. Uh, they have a system. They have a, they have a essence. So when things go wrong, the Jazz have something to fall back on. Doesn't always work, but they have something to fall back on. The Thunder don't. They don't have a system. They don't have a model. They just come at you harder. That's what they kept saying in the post game. Well, we we showed the aggression. Yeah, like, but that aggression got you four fouls in the first half. So that's a large part of what I'm seeing in this. Is two the Jazz have riddled apart the Thunder offense or defense, excuse me, and have just know what to do. And it's really hard, as much as we all want to talk about adjustments and things like that, it, they, they've tried a few things, and, and they have some considerable weaknesses too, I would point out, um, that 
are being exposed, and you'll see that in the how the heck Joe Ingles got 11 three-point shot segment coming up. But, you know, with that said, uh, I, I think what, what jumps out even more on all this is that the Jazz have figured kind of figured them out. Like, so the Jazz know what they want to do offensively, are getting the looks they want. They got either 13 or 14 corner threes last night, depending on whose math. I think the official number is going to be 13, second most they've had all season. It's the most they've had since game one or game two. You know, so the Jazz have got a system they're playing and they're picking apart. The Thunder have aggression, you know, and so that's what they brought. They brought this incredible aggression. They tried to beat the Jazz up. Uh, you know, it reminded me of a neighborhood park where like the, the other neighborhood was coming in you weren't going to let them play and it didn't matter if they were good you're just going to beat them up it wasn't ba- it wasn't basketball and Rubio just enticed Westbrook into all these fouls one of them was a really bad call but the, the rest of them he just he enticed him into fouls he just completely used that against him knew it was coming telegraphed it with his press conference and then Ru- picks Rubio up at 94 feet Rubio sets it up goes down draws the foul Gets the charge, you know, slows down a little bit with his aggression, so he gets tripped up. It's just really smart by Rubio in that matchup and to know what was coming. Uh, the narratives coming in, I've talked about this a lot, were so divergent that I never thought the series would be close. We'll see. I could be wrong still. Uh, but that one was all about the stars and the other was about system and defense. And I said the whole time, I thought, well, one of these is going to be right and the other is going to be wrong and then the series will not be close. Now, I may be wrong on that because if Paul George goes and has two more nights like he did in night one, then it's, then the narratives are winning each night and um, and then we do have a close series. We'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know where the Thunder are mentally at this point. Um, their press conferences afterwards were a little daunting uh, that they didn't seem to have much of an awareness of what was happening to them, or at least they weren't going to say if they did. With that said, the Jazz narrative, which is, you know, our strength of our team is our team, ball movement, five guys in double figures, great defense. I'm all in on that. But I also want to kind of, like, point out one other thing. Rudy's the best player in the series. Rudy Gobert's the best player in the series. He impacts the game far more than anyone else in the entire series. Okay, so, like, I got Russell Westbrook's a former MVP, and he puts up really neat stats that have round numbers on the end of them. And Paul George is an incredible scorer that's virtually unguardable. Rudy's the best player. And I'm not entirely sure how far Donovan's off the other two, frankly. So, there might be two narratives here. One is that one's a star team laden by stars with all these plays by stars, and they have the best players, and do best players win in the playoffs, and they're prepared for the playoffs, they're made for the playoffs, that whole crap that they preached all season that I actually never believed. But I didn't know. Like, I I wasn't sure of that. I just didn't know. Or this team group effort thing. The, The only thing I'm just kind of trying to point out is that maybe there's a little bit of a falseness to it because... Part of that implies that the best players are on the Thunder, and maybe there's a chance that the best player is actually on Utah while playing a team game. And I'm not sure 
whether the second, third, or fourth best player is on Utah while playing a team game. And maybe the team game makes them better. And so then you actually have a total whitewash. We'll find that out whether that happens on Wednesday. But that, the fact that Jazz, the Thunder came out to punk the Jazz last night. Just physically beat them up, punk them, unnerve them, intimidate them. The fact that Jazz have a system and a style that they can go back to means that they don't, they don't, they didn't waver. They didn't falter. And that is what allowed them to win that game as easily as they did. Uh, go bear impact. Thunder shoot generally around 30 plus shots a night at the rim at 62%. Game one, 26, 54%. Game two, 32, 59%. Game three, 21, 62%. And last night, their aggression going downhill, all that, 25 shots at the rim, 64%. 16 shots last night in the paint non-restricted area. So the fact is, they're coming downhill. They're attacking Gobert. They're just getting stopped before they get to the rim. And then they're taking really the least efficient shot in the game. They took 33 mid-range shots last night. Contrast, the Jazz took 21. The Jazz were 1 of 12 in the paint non-restricted. 5 of 9 in the mid-range. So... And the Jazz have taken 36, 35, 26, and 36 shots at the rim in this series. The bigger picture item to me, and then we'll look at Ingles' 11 threes. I don't think Paul George or Russell Westbrook, it ever, ever crossed their mind they could lose this series. And that's how they're acting. Like, I think they bought into their own narrative. Same thing everyone else told them about them. How great they are, playoff ready, all those kind of things. And I I think they're completely stunned. Completely, completely stunned. All right. That's my take on last night. Overall great effort. Unbelievable hit by the Thunder early. Fought through it, played their game. Great defense tonight again. Second straight or second game in the series where they held the Thunder under hundred points per hundred possessions. Good offensive night. Right on, right on our, a little bit of our average. But the defense was stifling again. 93.0. It's only our 21st best game of the year, but like 93.0, you just don't, you don't lose. Like that's, 93.0 is the 91% win area. That's how good we were last night defensively. Uh, we'll look at Ingles' threes because I think it shows you a lot, and then we'll talk about things the Thunders don't have, and then we have Time Machine Tuesday coming up as well uh, on the program. Uh, today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Blake was there last night. Had a nice time talking to Blake and his brother Ben at halftime. Uh, their seats are right next to us at the broadcast site. And had their lovely wives there. We're having a blast. Um, things are fun over at Murdoch Hyundai right now because the Hyundai has debuted a brand new line in their SUVs. Excuse me. Uh, the Kona. Uh, Subaru Crosstrack, you see it everywhere, right? You see that car everywhere. Okay, this is the Hyundai version, uh, priced around 20000 22000 uh, it's, it's quick, zippy, fun, 30 miles to the gallon. Really enjoy it. Uh, so you might want to check it out. You get the 100,000-mile 100, 100, assurance, plus you get the Murdoch guarantee, which is car washes, oil changes for life, 
Uh, price match guarantee, five-day return. All the things that make the Murdochs uh, exactly who they've been for 91 years in Utah. Uh, I've also driven the Santa Fe, love it. I uh, would rather if you didn't go out there and buy the Santa Fe that I'm looking at right now because um, I'd like to get, you know, coax Blake into a really good deal for me and so I could get that car. Um, hopefully hopefully Jazz wins, put him in a really good mood since he was going nuts at the game last night, firing up, uh, and he'll he'll do that for me. And uh, that as well as uh, the Ionic hybrid is great. So check those out, Murdoch Hyundai, 46, 46 South State Street. All right, I went through the Joe Ingles 11 threes because two things. One is I think that's the most symbolic change that Jazz have made is um, is the fact that they have moved the basketball well enough to get the ball to Ingles for threes. I also think it exemplifies the biggest flaw in the Thunder. The Thunder play... Seven seconds of offense and seven seconds of defense on every possession. That's it. As a possession goes on, they no longer stay connected. It's just not who they are. It's, they, they, I thought it would change last night. Uh, but it didn't. There's, I could try to, you know, I really did. That was when I watched, rewatched the game and set, and held on, um, and looked at a bunch of stuff and sent out my Twitter thread and frankly saved a few things. Um, I really, really, really thought uh, that that would that that would be different. It was not. Um, and what jumps out to me is you look at these eleven threes. So the first one, they have two problems. One is they overshift, and two, they don't stay attached. So walk, walk through the 11, it, it shows them all. First one, it doesn't even matter if he makes it. Paul George is guarding him, over shifts. Beautiful pass, open three, missed it. Second one, uh, he goes one-on-one in a possession that's not his strength, misses. Third one, Right corner, wide open three. Um, de- defense, just, as the possession goes on, they sag off their guy and, and they leave him. Fourth one, Gobert ends up deep underneath the basket. They sag down to the ball. They don't stay connected. Kick it out to Ingles, three. That's his, he misses. Rubio beats Russell Westbrook. Badly on a horn set. Carmelo doesn't help from the side to cut him off. Paul George has to come because Rubio's going to hit a layup. Kick out to cornered angles wide open. That one's at the top. That's Jazz ran a nice little action. Uh, Don, Donovan Mitchell's in the elbow. He flares out to the, to the right side. Rubio goes off him to the left. Drives the basket. Kicks. Really basic play. Um, Ingles drives Gives it off to Gobert Respaces They don't stay connected Like They just don't Ingles three um, 
final play of the first half. Really simple up top. Rubio comes to his right. Paul George is guarding Joe Ingles on the angle. Paul George takes a big step toward Rubio's drive. Rubio engages him just enough to kick it to Ingles. Enough airspace to hit the three. Uh, next one was a quick release three. Mello just gave him airspace. I think Joe just was heat checking. Next one's absolutely no connection again. Play goes on. Royce O'Neal drives the baseline. They move it around. Joe Ingles just gets open. They just don't stay connected. Number 10, Russell Westbrook. Somehow is supposed to be on Joe Ingles at this point. Doesn't do it. Number 11, which is going on in the background if you can hear it. Cross-court pass from Donovan Mitchell to the left elbow. I, I don't even... I think Paul George is supposed to be guarding him, but he's kind of stepped up to deal with Rudy Gobert. Steven Adams is still back down where he is. At this point, it's a 20-point blowout with a minute left. They don't stay connected. They defend and play offense for seven seconds. And the Jazz are moving the ball, getting the blender going, and taking advantage of it. That's the adjustment they have to make. The question is, I don't know I don't know if they do that. Like, that's maybe not who they are. That's the adjustment they have to make. They have to defend connected throughout entire possessions. And they're not. Offensively, the adjustments they have to make are their fast break game and their offensive rebounding game. So their fast break game is pretty vital to them. We've talked about it all series long. Keep them in the shot clock, late in the shot clock. My biggest concern after game one and even game two was that the Jazz had not really done that. The Jazz had not found a way to slow them down in the shot clock. Now, updating after four games, if we look at Oklahoma City, and give me one second to pull up my OKC comparative notes, you'll see that it it still hasn't been quite as much as you might want. So during the regular season, uh, between 18 and 22 seconds on the shot clock, Oklahoma City used 18% of their possessions. It's now down to 16. And they shot 51% in this series. They shot 62% effective field goal percentage in regular in the regular season. Okay, huge drop now. Last two games, they're not getting anything early. First two games they did, but now it's suddenly sliding. 15 to 18, this is when they use their possessions. So those possessions they were using 18 to 22 are slid to 15 to 18. They want to get, they just are not comfortable playing long possessions. They're up to 22%. Their effective field goal percentage is 55% right where they were for the season. Get the clock under 15. 7 to 15. They're using 45% of their possessions. In regular season, they use 40. They use the fewest possessions in the NBA between 7 and 15 on the clock. During the regular season, now they're up 5%. They're shooting the exact same. Four to seven. Now we're really into an area where they're just not comfortable, right? They only did this 8% of the time in the regular season. They're only doing it 8% now. They're actually shooting great. They're at 54%. When they actually do this, they're actually good at it. That's the craziest thing. And then late in the clock, they're up at 47%. The, the craziest thing about this is in this series, when they go to four to seven on the clock, so they've actually run a play, they've moved the ball, they've done, they have enough power, they have enough guys, um, they are, they're actually good at it. 
right? That's what's crazy. Now, Russ, get him later in the shot clock, struggles badly. And so Russ doesn't want to go there. And thus is the first kind of, you know, give and take that they've got to deal with. So in the series, Russ was better last night. But in the series, when the shot clock gets under 15, Russell Westbrook is 10 of 33 shooting. And so Russ wants to go early. And I don't know what they do about that. Jazz are getting back in transition, generally taking away the early fast break game. And then Russ wants to go. Because Russ doesn't like the last part of the shot clock. He's 10 of 33 in the shot clock. <coughs> Thunder got their fast break game back a little bit. In game two, they only had 4% of their points fast break. Game four, or game three, game four, they were at 12%. But what they've completely lost is their rebounding game. Their offensive rebounding, 21% in game one, 19.6 in game two, 14.6 in game three, 18.8 in game three. They are now two and nine against a playoff team when they don't gain get 21% or more of their offensive rebounds. So you take away... Steven Adams' ability to go get offensive rebounds, and suddenly they really struggle. Their performance in game number two was the 75th offensive outing they've had of the year, and last night was their 78th. They've played 86 games. They've had two of their worst offensive games of the season in this series. Defensively, frankly, for all the talk of the open threes and everything else and how much they're being hammered on that. They've been kind of who they've been since Andre Robertson got hurt. So I don't have a great idea of what their adjustment is. Other than Paul George or Russell Westbrook having an unbelievable night. Which is what happened in game one. That's, that's what it's going to take. Is one of those two guys having an unbelievable night. Today's show is brought to you in part by Optimal Norms. This is a cool kind of company. Uh, Optimal Norms, if you think about what all the things you do for your, uh, your kids in physical training, this is the idea of doing uh, performance training, uh, mental performance consultants. So instead of the weight room, you're working on the aspects of trying to stay calm in the big moments, staying focused, decision-making, relaxing, having confidence, the right thoughts, the pre-performance pre, pre preparation, those kind of things. Uh, you sit down one-on-one with a mental performance consultant, deliberately train the mental aspects of the sport, which most athletes, frankly, don't take the time to do. These consultants have advanced degrees in sports science and psychology, and they're working with you one-on-one. They also can do online things. So if you're at the event, you're traveling, you need to check in, your athlete can click in one-on-one as well. OptimalNorms.com to find out more. Call 801-722-8180. That's 801-722-8180. Let them know Locked on Jazz. It's how you heard about them. You can purchase five or more uh, visits. You'll get uh, one for free. It's OptimalNorms.com, 801-722-8180. All right, I feel like this is unfair. I really, this is unfair. This, uh, another sponsor today's program is Rad Concrete Coatings. 
I've had to practice this. I got allergies now. I'm distracted. And I have to figure out how to say Rad Concrete Coatings 10 times fast. Rad. They also have the website Rad Utah. Why don't they just call themselves Rad Utah? Then guys like me. All right. Anyway, Rad Creek. Yeah, there it is. Rad Concrete Coatings. It's been around for 17 years. I mean, the best way to describe the company is the first employee is still with them. Uh, they pride themselves on hiring the best applicators around. They go and get the latest and greatest concrete coating uh, at all the World of Concrete events, have the best range of supplies for you. They're featured in the Parade of Homes every year. Eight of the homes in Utah County Parade of Homes this year will have Rad Concrete Coatings. You can visit RadConcreteCoatings.com or you can visit RadUtah.com. Waterproof deck coatings. Garage floor coating, even waterproof your garage if that's necessary because what you have around. Concrete overlays, driveway resurfacing. We've seen what salt does and the depth that it puts to the harsh winters with your surface flaking off. Give Mike a call at Rad U, or give or go to RadUtah.com and uh, Mike's there. Uh, RadConcreteCoatings.com and put in uh, a contract form for a bid. That's the best way uh, to let him know uh, what you're looking for. Uh, Mike will take care of you. First empl- he hired his first employee 17 years ago. The two of them still run this company, doing great work with it. Rad Concrete Coatings. Check out the website. You'll see the work is just fabulous. All right, Time Machine Tuesday to wrap it up. We'll have more tomorrow. I haven't rewatched the game yet. Uh, I mean, we only got home at 2, so. Uh, Ron and I will do that on the plane today. I love doing it with Ron. I just see such great. He has been so great in these playoffs. Just plugged in, call, asking for meetings with Igor, who's got the scout, going through all sorts. I mean, just awesome stuff. Ron's the best. All right, let's go reach into the bag. Oh, we should have a good one here. Oh, I like this year. We should have, I wish we, oh no, this is probably not. 92-93. I think 93-94 is our Western Conference Finals trip. Oh, this is a bad omen. Maybe I shouldn't do this one. This is the year we lost to the Seattle Supersonics, but that's not the same franchise, so it's not a bad omen at all. There's nothing similar about the franchises at all. Uh, and April 24th, we were wrapping up our regular season with our 47th win against the Golden State Warriors. We'd win it 105-91 to 91 the night before. That was the Tim Hardaway and Latrell Sprewell Golden State Warriors. They were only 33-48. and 48. Jeff Malone was still with the Jazz. Uh, we started James Donaldson at center that game with John Stockton, Jeff Malone, Carl Malone, David Benoit, James Donaldson. John Crotty, Mike Brown, Tyrone Corbin came off the bench for 16. Isaac Austin and Stephen Howard. Also played. Stockton had 14, 10, and 6 turnovers. Carl Malone had 18, 8, and 3. Tim Hardaway had 14. Victor Alexander. I only know about Victor Alexander because of the fact that I um, lived in the Bay Area at this point. I think. Well, let's see. No. 93. I'm in college by now. Right? Yeah, I'm old. Uh, so the Jazz win this one and the next night uh, get the night off and then we'll they play the uh, the next we finished the season losing to Minnesota one thirteen to one eleven. Oh, please tell me this didn't have playoff seating on the line. Talk radio would have killed him. Actually, I'm in Utah by now. April of ninety three. I'm in Utah. Um, yeah, I'm doing talk radio. Jerry's hating me right now. Malone had twenty four, twenty two. Jeff Malone had twenty four. Jazz lost to Minnesota, who started Christian Leitner, Felton Spencer, Doug West, Chuck Person, and Michael Williams. All right, now i got to go back and find out whether or not the standings, whether we lost any seeding because of that. We were 47-35. and 35. No, we did not. Thank goodness. 
So we, we fell to the sixth seed, then went and played Seattle in a three-game series and dropped it in five. Uh, but we did not lose any seeding by losing to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who won 19 games on the final night of the season. That would have been tragic. San Antonio was the fifth seed, so we may have we may have taken that one off. Oh, we'd never want to admit that, but it probably happened in that era. All right, that is today's show. Thank you very much for tuning. Rad Concrete Coatings, Murdoch Hyundai, Optimal Norms. Thanks for the sponsorship of the program. It is Locked On Jazz. Talk to you from Oklahoma City tomorrow on the Jazz on the Locked On Podcast Network.